Welcome to Disputes Digest. Today is June 11th, 2021. I'm Chris Campbell. Don't forget to follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn to stay up to date with news from around the international dispute resolution field. One more thing. Before we get into it this week, if you haven't already, take a moment and share the show with a friend or colleague. And if you've got any feedback for the show, drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. And you already know the drill. Don't forget to leave us a review. It helps other people find the show. All right, now let's get into it. We start this week with the news on a topic that has been getting increased attention and focus in recent years, climate, and particularly its impact on the international dispute resolution field. In this case, finance. In a piece on the Baker McKenzie arbitration blog, the firm discusses the emergencies of so-called climate finance. The piece goes on saying, climate finance refers to a local, national, or national financing drawn from public, private, or alternative sources of finance that seek to support mitigation and adaptation actions that will address climate change, end quote. According to the article, some of the relevant and broadly described parties in climate finance are official bodies such as the UNFCC, the UNEP, the OECD, and the G20, all of which play an important role in coordinating public and financial resources. Second category are governments. Third, development and financial institutions. Fourth, climate funds. Fifth, green investment banks. Then on the foundations and insurance agencies, and ending with affected communities, aid agencies, and corporations. The list goes on and on. Aside from sources of financing, it's important to note that combating climate change can also give rise to various legal challenges and consequently disputes. These disputes can proceed through mediation, conciliation, and arbitration, but all of which can require dedicated legal resources, which in turn demands financing from some of the parties mentioned earlier. Investment in these areas have and are expected to continue to increase as global communities attempt to reckon with the impacts of climate change. Then let's head over to the United States of America as a federal district court grants a motion to compel arbitration, finding that the parties had delegated questions of unconscionability to the arbitrator. In the case Zevi v. Citibank in March 2019, plaintiff Daniel Zevi opened a bank account at the Las Vegas branch of Citibank. In doing so, Zevi restricted any potential text notifications related to his transaction history to those transactions of $101 or greater. Zevi claimed that Citibank nevertheless sent him text messages related to transactions less than or equal to $100 in violation of the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, TCPA. Citibank filed a motion to compel arbitration in accordance with an arbitration agreement contained in the terms and conditions signed by Zevi when he opened the account. Zevi argued that the agreement was unconscionable and thus not enforceable. Citibank asserted that because the arbitration agreement contained the delegation clause reserving decisions, quote, claims relating to the enforceability and interpretation of the arbitration provisions for the arbitrator. The court should leave the question of unconscionability to the arbitrator. The court held that the parties had unambiguously agreed to arbitration and thus the matter was subject to being resolved by the arbitrator alone and any challenges to the arbitration's jurisdiction should be addressed by the arbitrator. Then staying in the United States as the National Football League, that's the American Football League for my friends in other parts of the world or the one without Ronaldo, 
Anyway, the NFL names a former federal judge, Christopher Droney, as arbitrator for the league. He will be responsible for resolving all contractual employment and salary disputes between players and the league. Of the news, Droney said that he was excited about the development and looking forward to it, and it was, quote, a fascinating opportunity, end quote. Droney will be the league's second system administrator, replacing Stephen Burbank, who was leaving the NFL after about a decade, to concentrate exclusively on his professorship at the University of Pennsylvania Law School. Burbank is well known as the arbitrator working on the alleged collusion case against the NFL by former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. Notably, league arbitrator isn't a full-time position, and Droney said he will continue to work as a partner in the Harford office of Dave Pitney, his home law firm. With relation to the disputes, all cases will be resolved pursuant to a 400-page collective bargaining agreement between the players and the owners. Droney's decision can be appealed to a committee of two judges and a third person, all of whom are selected by the players and owners. The hearings will take place in New York or Washington, where the league and players have their respective offices. Although the arbitration cases themselves are confidential under the collective bargaining agreement, the decisions themselves are public. Next, the British Institute of International and Comparative Law, BIICL, Investment Treaty Board, in coordination with Allen and Overy, recently released an empirical study called Costs, Damages, and Duration of Investor State Arbitration. According to a press release on the report, the study examines over 400 ICSID, Uncentral, and ICSID annulment decisions rendered in investor state arbitrations and builds on early empirical studies conducted by Allen and Overy. It gives an evidence-based account of how many investments, arbitral proceeding costs, how tribunals allocate their costs, the damages and amount of damages awarded, and how long the proceedings last. Some of the key findings of the study include party costs have decreased over the past three years, investor costs remain higher than respondent states' costs in arbitral proceedings, three, the prospects of recovering costs have improved, four, investors are claiming and awarded larger amounts, five, there is a steady increase in the length of investor state proceedings, and six, the choice of arbitration rules does not significantly impact tribunal costs, cost allocation, and duration of investor state proceedings. We'll put a link to the full report in the show notes. Finally for this week, some great news out of Brazil as the nation becomes the latest signatory to the United Nations Convention on International Settlement Agreements resulting from mediation, aka the Singapore Convention. Brazil becomes the 45th signatory to the treaty. The convention is currently in force and has six state parties. Further information on the convention and its status is available on the Uncentral website. All right, that's it for the news, and let's get into some opportunities from the past week. First, law firm Arendt Fox seeks an international arbitration and dispute resolution associate for its Washington, D.C. offices with two to four years experience. Then, the international legal database and research company Jus Mundi is seeking a general counsel for its Paris-based offices with six or more years of experience. Then, law firm Schutz & Bowen LLP is seeking an international arbitration and litigation associate with two to five years of experience in its Miami-based offices. Also, Loyans & Loaf is seeking an associate to join its litigation and arbitration team based in Brussels with four to seven years of experience. Finally, global law firm 
DLA Piper is seeking an associate for its London-based offices with three to five years of experience. Finally, let's talk events from a group known as Disputes Europe and Latin America. A nonprofit network of professionals active across the two continents is hosting a seminar titled Managing Political Risk in Latin America, Arbitration, Diplomacy, and Insurance as Solutions. The event will discuss the challenges and opportunities that arise when managing political risk in Latin America and explore how these risks may be hedged through legal, political, and insurance instruments. In doing so, the speakers will consider strategies that investors can employ to limit their potential exposure while explaining how these mechanisms may complement one another to achieve commercially beneficial outcomes. The event is available on June 15th and registration is available on the organization's website. Then on June 21st, the ICC Young Arbitration Forum hosts an event titled Practical Tips on Estimation of Damages in International Arbitration which will feature a panel of speakers. Panelists will share their thoughts and insights and practical tips, such as choosing the most appropriate methodology of damages estimation, in particular in cases decreasing in enterprise value, forecasting future cash flows in damages estimations and related pitfalls, and finally, identifying sources of differences in expert evaluations. The event is ideal for young arbitration practitioners 40 years and younger, but is open to anyone. Then, next week, a series of events you'll want to add to your calendar as Brazilian Arbitration Week in London kicks off. Events will be held from June 14th to June 6th. The overall event is hosted by Lex Anglo Brasil and Queen Mary University of London to bring together the Brazilian and English legal communities for quality discussions touching on current and future challenges in international arbitration. Some of the marquee panels will address topics like comparative law issues, ethical issues and dilemmas in the future of international arbitration. Tickets can be purchased for a single day and all proceeds will be donated to the Education Foundation. Then on June 17, 2021, the Atlanta International Arbitration Society, ATLAS, hosts its June plenary meeting and will feature presentations by Laura Robertson, Deputy General Counsel for Litigation, IP and Legal Operations at ConocoPhillips. She will provide comments on a recent arbitration case that she was involved with with ConocoPhillips Investments in Venezuela. She will also address comparing arbitral seats, selecting counsel, as well as experts and arbitrators. Then, on June 18th, the American Society of International Law, ASIL, presents a webinar titled International Legal Careers in Diversity Within U.S. Government, hosted by the Blacks of the American Society of International Law, ASIL, the Government Attorneys Interest Group and the Minorities and in International Law Interest Group to present a roundtable discussion on attorney recruitment and diversity initiatives within federal government agencies involved in the practice of international law. For those considering careers in international law within the U.S. government or seeking advice on succeeding and thriving there, the roundtable offers the opportunity to hear from a diverse set of U.S. government lawyers with experience in a broad range of government agencies and institutions. Panelists will discuss their own paths as well as current recruitment policies and efforts to advance diversity, equity, and inclusion within their departments. And that's it for this week. Tales of the Tribunal will be back, that's right, next week after a nice long stretch that we've had and a little bit of relaxation over the past couple of weeks. 
and we are here to bring you the second half of season three. We got a lot of great guests lined up, so I hope that you tune in. And it's going to be a busy time until we hit the August holidays. In any case, follow Tales of the Tribunal on LinkedIn. Drop us a line at talesofthetribunal at gmail.com. And if you have comments or feedback, we would love to hear from you. Until next week, this has been the Speech Digest by Tales of the Tribunal. None of the views shared today or in any episode of Disputes Digest is presented as legal advice nor advice of any kind. No compensation was provided to any organization or party for their inclusion on the show, nor do any of the statements made represent any particular organization, legal position, or viewpoint. All interviewees or organizations included appear on an arm's length basis, and their appearance should not be construed as any bias or preferred affiliation with the host or host's employer. All rights reserved.